a lot of people's minds, they'd probably see this last year as a, a wasted year. But that community spirit has grown and that has brought more people together. We do know and I have come across some clubs who've actually managed to recruit more volunteers during the pandemic because people at the club or even the extended community are keen to help. It's been an absolute revolution and I think ability to be able to talk to people online virtually I think is going to be the way forward. You're listening to a special edition of the England Athletics podcast. It's all about what have we learned from the past 12 months, taking positives from the pandemic, how can we adapt, change, move forward, continue to support everyone at the club, in particular volunteers. My name's Alex Seftel, I'll be hosting the discussion which comes ahead of and in association with the virtual club conference which is coming up on the 15th of May. Someone who'd be well placed to tell you a bit more about that would be uh, Emma Hurst. Emma, just introduce yourself and uh, tell us about the virtual club conference that's coming up. Thanks, Alex. So my name's Emma Hurst. I'm the England Athletics Club Resource Manager. I work really closely with the team of club support managers and our role is around supporting our affiliated club volunteers. It's the first time we've done a, a club conference virtually and that'll take place on the 15th of May. The conference is free. It's a fantastic opportunity for individuals in a range of club roles to come together and hear from keynote speakers, join interactive workshops, network and share best practice examples. And there is the option to either come to the morning sessions or the afternoons or both. So in the morning sessions, we will focus very much on supporting volunteers around building resilience and leading in uncertain times. And the afternoon session will focus very much around club development, specifically around volunteer and member experience, innovation and adapting to change. We will also have a keynote speaker, Ian Braid, who will be joining us to offer his insight from his lifetime in sport as a volunteer participation coach, fan and CEO um, and board member as well. All information can be found at englandathletics.org and that is where you can book on for free. Thank you very much, Emma. As for the other guests from clubs that we have with us, I'll ask you to introduce yourselves one by one. First of all, Les Grant. Hi, I'm Les Grant. I'm a coach at Doncaster Athletics Club. I'm also one of the directors there and coach at Leeds University as well. And also we have Keith Reid. I'm Keith Reid, a club secretary with a club down in Devon called Erin Valley Harriers. Um, I'm also uh, a coach and an official, and uh, I'm also the Devon County Official Secretary uh, as well, and uh, various other roles around the uh, area. Thank you. And we have also Mick Bond. Hi, everybody. I'm Mick Bond. I'm Chairman of Cambridge Harriers. Uh, I'm also a coach, I team manager, I officiate, I organise schools things. And then I'm also, my day job is manager of the uh, Lee Valley Athletic Centre in North London. Brilliant. Okay, so decent representation from around the country. Well, we'll start by talking a bit around competition. What type of competition are you likely to put on and has it changed given your experiences during the pandemic? Les? We had our spring open meeting um, scheduled for last year, May, 
And what we've managed to do is carry over most of the entries from that meeting and move it to the 29th of May this month. Sorry, next month. We also had the opportunity to run a, a competition on the 20th of August. It was Run, Jump, Throw, organised by City of Sheffield. But because their venue was closed, they used us as the venue. So we, we learned quite a lot at that meeting of setting up the social distancing, cleaning the equipment. We realised we had a, a bigger area than we thought because we're surrounded by car parks. So that car park became a warm-up area. So we've learned quite, quite a lot from putting on that event with Sheffield. And we're transferring all that across to the competition we're going to have in May. Keith, what do you think has been the, some of the biggest challenges in trying to put on competition? Obviously, you know, in terms of uh, the numbers of people you can bring to an event, the other key thing that I think has been an issue is trying to bring in uh, officials. We we got lots of our officials, certainly in our area, that are... Um, you know, just say getting on a little bit, including myself, there has been some reluctance for them to to maybe come back as quickly and, and support as they used to. So the biggest challenge has been finding officials. Having said that, you know, there's been a lot of positivity about bringing in uh, new people that maybe wouldn't have helped previously. So, you know, it's not all bad, um, but it, it is a challenge, I think. That's interesting. We might touch on that later, in fact, when we talk about volunteers. But yeah, of course, as you mentioned, the number of people that you've been able to, to bring in has affected things. And of course, there have been times when you, you haven't been able to put on competition at all. Does anyone have experience of putting on virtual competitions or being involved with virtual competition? And how's that gone? We put on a uh, um, relays last summer virtually, which was interesting. Um, normally, we put on a relay that attracts about 150 teams. We put it on last year and we actually still managed to get, um, I think it was about 80 teams who came forward and took part. Instead of us taking the money as we normally would as a club to, to support our club finances, we, we put it all to charity. So it went straight to the NHS. So everybody sent in their, their individual times for a 2.5 mile course. We just put the results together and... Uh, and ran it and it, it you know it was really lots of very very positive feedback yeah that's great i mean what was the sort of time frame between which people were able to submit their times was it on one particular day or what no we actually allowed it from the friday evening which would have been the date of the actual relays uh, through to the sunday yeah which is really good from the point of view of giving people flexibility you know if someone has a part-time job where they work on a Saturday, it allows them to, to do that on a, on a Sunday. Do you think that any virtual competition or elements of it might be here to stay? Should be. I mean, you know, things like the, the virtual London Marathon, which a few of our club members did last year, they were actually brilliant. And I think the advantage there where you could actually take part in an event at the same time as what an event was taking place, like the London Marathon, I think, could be something that would really, really sort of grow in the future. And I think it's already scheduled for this year um, that they're going to have 100,000 people running it virtually as well as the actual race. Some people setting up their own mm. virtual challenges as well through some of the, the platforms uh, like Open Track. Mick, what about yourself? The challenges of putting on competition and anything that you've learned along the way? 
mainly comes from what my experience at Lee Valley. We put on competitions back in August, September last year. Quite a lot of lessons learned from that. The guidelines were pretty strict. Everybody was looking at what you were doing and checking you were doing it right and you having to sort of invent the wheel really from scratch, which was which was tough at times. Uh, a lot of emphasis on risk assessments and COVID action plans. But at the end of the day, as long as what we did was sort of what I call reasonable um, to, to mitigate sort of COVID situations, then I think it was fair and we managed to get on with things. Because the leagues never happened last year, I think there's been a big swing away from leagues towards open competitions, open meetings. People are starting to get used to paying more for their open meetings, um, which make them a lot more viable for people to put on and to put on a more professional way as well. Big move to online entries, online results, which have their own um, difficulties, it has to be said. But yeah, there's a big sort of shift. They do have their own difficulties, but where time can be spent on them, it, it can make a difference to sort of bringing up to speed what what I'm sure a lot of meets would like to include, but maybe haven't had the opportunity to to invest in them before. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, if you, you have to invest the time to get the sort of software working for you the way you want it to work, whether that be sort of posting results online or taking entries and you know, moving closing dates um, to be as flexible as possible for people. There's certainly advantages, but you know, they're not um, cost free in terms of um, people time, if you like. You know, still people have to make them work. Yes. And you mentioned there the sort of well-run meets that could succeed partially because it's it's better to limit numbers and it's important to limit numbers while regulations say that we must do so so that could be an advantage for smaller meets to to grow a bit of a profile yeah i think um you know a lot of sort of specialized meets so we've got sort of jab fest throws fest hurdles fest there's not just a broad open meeting with everything going on sort of um zoning in on specific disciplines Everybody's there who's in the javelin. You can have commentary. It's just looking at the javelin event. Events-focused competition is great. I know it's something that the British Athletics CEO Joanna Coates has spoken about. Do you think that's a that's a really positive way to go and something we could learn from the pandemic? A smaller specific meet, or do you think something is lost maybe when we don't have a a wider meet? You lose a little bit of the sort of having the sort of team ethos of, that the leagues give you. I think you have to move with society a little bit. You know, people haven't got as much time. They just go for their event and there's a focus on it. Mm, I suppose the counterpoint would be that if you were a heptathlete or had two specialisms and you were sprinting at one event and then you weren't able to throw at the same one, that would maybe be a, a counterpoint. One of the things we've taken on board is that we we don't try and be everything to everybody. So... The athletics competition days can be long if you compare it to other sports. That takes a a lot of commitment by the parents, by the athletes. So if you were to focus on specific events, say, for example, have a a hurdles fest or a a throws fest, as was mentioned, you can still have a big competition, but just make it a little bit more specific or something that's needed in that area. So the the actual running of the club without being able to have meetings in the same way 
Chris Jones of England Athletic said that it's, it's really pushed some of us into the digital age and, and having meetings like this, like we're having now, we're recording this podcast via a popular online platform called Zoom. How has it changed the running of your club? And is some of that going to stay, perhaps because you think it's a better way of working? Keith, what's your view on this? Living where we live, down in Devon, you know, I, in the past, have attended lots of uh, England Athletics uh, meetings in Birmingham and UK Athletic meetings and, and all over. Even for me, going to Exeter for an evening, it's a, you know, 60-mile round, 70-mile round trip. So, for me, it's been an absolute um, revolution. And I think it's something we mustn't move away from. I think ability to be able to talk to people online, virtually, I think is going to be the way forward. And if we don't use it, it'll be a real shame. Well, one of the difficulties, I think, is just making sure that clubs are um, are adequately resourced. So maybe something for the governing bodies to think of is actually coming up with a license from, from one of the providers um, to actually give clubs access to that free. And that would really, really sort of give the clubs a chance to, uh, to be able to utilise that more and more and more in the future. The way that England has been able to engage with the clubs through various podcasts and various uh, webinars has been absolutely great. And, and to me, it's also changed that relationship beyond all recognition. And Mick, ways that uh, your club has had to change the way that it's worked? I agree with Keith. Um, our monthly committee now has doubled the attendance it used to. So um, that's certainly a positive. I mean, I think you do always lack a little bit of the um, all being in a room together, sort of the... the uh, talking and the discussion is not quite as fluid on zoom as it might be in a meeting but you know double attendance i think far outweighs that we've done our own club podcasts facebook accounts various ways to to sort of engage members just try and keep people with us really through the pandemic you know that was a big mm. worry that we'd lose our membership drift away from the club for one reason or another you know i think we've done quite well on the retention what we haven't done well is, is sort of is recruitment of juniors. I think that's been because there was no sort of schools athletics last summer. And recruitment was really poor, and that's that's the big hole in our club at the moment. Mm, really interesting. The online um, meetings have been excellent, as other people have said. The the number of people that attend is greater. A number of our coaches have been using online for the training sessions so fitness sessions so that's kept the engagement both with the the athletes and the parents and i would say i probably know more about the the athletes and the parents from during the um, zoom sessions than i did when i was seeing them twice a week because you've seen them in their own environment as a community we know more about each other now you get a better idea of mm. how each person works. There has been a number where that we haven't been able to communicate with them over the Zoom sessions, but we've got WhatsApp groups, we have phone calls, and, and just checking that everybody's okay. We've organised a number of chats about preparing to come back to training, putting on virtual quizzes and just sit down and chat together so it's put us more together as a community club than we probably were before well that's interesting yes because there are plenty of other 
ways that a, a club can be a means to engage people and bring them together that that don't involve track and field. Obviously, that's the that's a pure purpose. But when competition can't happen in a traditional way, then the club should and, and can always bring people together for other reasons, such as because they love the sport and to, to have quizzes and and be a social thing. And we we absolutely you know shouldn't lose that. Mick, let's go to you first. What sort of challenge have you faced in trying to keep volunteers engaged? I think it's just been a question of keeping in touch with people as best you can. You know, the, the coaches, the people who officiate, organise, keeping the communication going. It's COVID, it's not ideal, that's for sure. But you have to say there's light at the end of the tunnel and you keep sort of um, pointing people in the right direction, really. You know, we've lost a couple of people um, who dropped out of the sports who were helping us. And, you know, we have to work hard now. We're coming back out of lockdown to try and recruit and fill those places. And, you know, that's, that's always the challenge. You know, the uh, volunteers are the, um, the wheel and end of the club, really. You know, they make it tick, make it happen. They're the most valuable resource we've got. You've just got to value them, keep in touch with them as best you can. The important thing is recognising that who your volunteers are and who your club members are and making sure that you know if they're not very happy with social media or even computers in general that you don't forget about them you just you know maybe give them a call and you know and when we could even pop round and see them you know and it's a matter of trying to use every form of technology and, and contact you can i think does anyone think they've engaged people outside that maybe weren't part of the club before the pandemic we started a, a youtube channel which put training sessions and our, and our ideas on the, the footfall on that has, has increased quite well with people outside of the, um, the club, but in the local community. So we're in quite a unique situation where we, we manage the site ourselves. We've got a 25-year lease on it. So that's given us more opportunities to engage, let other parts of the community and again working with schools to have their sports days there so it's more of a community feel now and even though our membership may remain the same our engagement with everybody else has increased emma any thoughts to add there on what clubs can do to keep people engaged or thoughts for anyone who might be feeling isolated outside of club activity how they can get back involved oh yeah so i guess in terms of how people can get re-engaged back with their with their club will definitely be to reach out to, to the club to the coaches to the to the volunteers there and ask them how is the club operating under the new normal and i know some clubs are doing this they're doing some like reintroduction taster sessions to gently gently ease participants back into the club whether that be just to familiarize themselves with the the new safety protocols or just to you know, physically introduce themselves back into a training environment. Again, I know some clubs that are are looking at, at some social get-togethers um, before it actually gets straight back in into training, just so people can have that opportunity to to interact with each other. A big part of being part of a club is that ele- that social element, particularly with with young athletes who haven't seen each other for such a long time. Just giving them that opportunity to to socialise before training is, is is quite important. And Les has touched upon this really, on how the pandemic has 
helped clubs to communicate to a, to the wider club and the and the community. In terms of like the volunteering, I, we do know, and I have come across some clubs who've actually managed to recruit more volunteers during the pandemic because people at the club, club members, or even the extended community are keen to help and really want the club to be sustainable beyond the, the pandemic and have come forward. So I do know some clubs who are in a different position in that they've, they've almost recruited too many volunteers now. So it's trying to look at um, how they can retain them through providing them with some clear roles or perhaps looking at, at, at different tasks or projects that, that the club um, would benefit from volunteers leading on. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it's rather different. It's outside the sport example, but um, I heard of a um, religious community that actually took out the place of their name, um, took out the place part of their name because they realised that actually people were assuming that in order to join or, or take part and watch the, the videos the, that they were putting out, that they needed to have you know local relevance to them. But but they found that maybe if we take that out, we have um, more of a, a national or or even geographical, international uh, relevance to a lot of people. It's sometimes about recognising, yeah, the, the potential that, that's there, even though obviously the, the local relevance is, is the first thing. A few more questions that perhaps make everyone think. First of all, is there anything that you might do differently were you to have the, uh, the last 12 months again? Les? It's something I think about most weeks what should I have done differently because a lot of people's minds they they probably see this last year as a a wasted year but in some ways it's been an interesting year because that community spirit and the club spirit has grown and that has brought more people together so we probably waited to see what happened rather than do something about it this year we will probably have a slightly different focus if we, if we go back to competitions, for example. It's going to be more process-driven than outcome-driven. What does that mean, process-driven? Does that mean the actual taking part? The taking part, new, new members joining, doing events that you've not done before. So it's not all down to, to results. It's, have I done that event now? Yes, tick that off. One of my worries... I don't know if this is coming too soon, is that we're still going to get lots of kids that have to self-isolate if they come in contact with somebody at the school. And that could knock them out of a, a competition they were looking forward to. So again, we, we've got to think of the, the way that's going to affect them in the coming months when they were looking forward to something that they can't have, which wasn't their fault. Mm. yeah interesting that and we, we I suppose that's when we have to be ready to adapt uh mick any thoughts on anything that you'd do differently if you knew 12 months ago what was going to happen over the next 12 months yes i think we would sort of set out a, a different sort of um way of organizing ourselves but i think now we're reopening again i think people value the club a little bit more um, they've missed it they, they realize what they've missed that adds to the sort of club camaraderie being part of a club so i think there's you know there's a positive that's come out of it i guess in one way and uh, keith anything that you do differently yeah i think you know really around trying to support the juniors a bit better i think you tended to assume that they would 
pick up on information that was being emailed out and put on the Facebook pages and on the website. But, you know, in reality, when we actually saw them after the, uh, the recent lockdown, quite a lot of them, you know, had, you know, lost a lot of fitness and a lot of confidence. And I think, you know, really, if we could have found a way of, of supporting them a little bit better, but it obviously it was very difficult because all the coaches in the same boat and none of us could meet face to face. But that is the area I would have thought we, we could have done better. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So around a year ago, we had Alex Bell, the GB international middle distance runner. And I asked her whether she was worried that whether athletes would drop out of the sport. And uh, she, I suppose, having some international experience, having quite a mature head, uh, given what she has achieved, um, a Commonwealth finalist, among other achievements, said, well, to be honest, if you have a goal that you're working towards, I don't see that another year would make much different. What's another year? And I thought that was quite a positive note to reflect on because a lot of people do worry, think, well, maybe I'm a year older, maybe I'm another year towards where I need to think about whether I can focus on athletics as much. Emma, we want as many people to stay in the sport as possible. What would your advice to clubs be if they might be worried about some of their athletes dropping out? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great point, Alex. Um, I know that is a worry of, of some of the clubs, you know, whether the athletes are, are going to return, particularly the younger, the younger athletes. You know, the advice to clubs from me would be to make sure that we've got the appropriate sessions on that provide them with a soft introduction back in and a welcoming environment back into the club and to try and just reach out and connect with with ones that maybe you haven't heard heard from for a while. I think inevitably there will be athletes that, that don't return and I think it's just about for the clubs just to try and re-engage and, and trying to just reach out to them whether that be by a phone call, email, social media, etc., to try and reconvene with with some of their training groups. I think it just needs to be, you know, really welcoming, social, fun. I know some of them will be keen to get back to training because there'll be competition on the horizon. But perhaps just using that competition as a, you know, a personal benchmark, a reintroduction back into the sport, as opposed to going out there and and getting PBs and winning, etc. Just really have that fun element about being involved with the sport again and just really enjoying it. Yeah, a lot of young people really excited to go back to school again because they haven't done so for such a while and yeah. beginning to value it because otherwise you might be doing lessons sitting on a screen all day, which, yeah. which isn't quite the same for learning. And so it certainly isn't the same for training. For that reason, it provides a lot of excitement and it's athletes of all ages, uh, of all kinds, track and field, I've seen some people dusting off the, the throwing circles and such so they can get back throwing again as well. We should look to capitalise on that excitement. What is making you most optimistic at this point? Hey, I mean, for most of us, I don't know what it's like in Devon, in Doncaster, but the sun is shining for me <laughs> as I look out my window. What's making you most optimistic, Les? Excitement in the athletes' faces as they've come back. They've re-engaged with people that they, they haven't seen for a year because they've been in different schools. They've grown. The under-11s and the younger ones, they've adapted to the restrictions probably better than some of the, some of the adults have. And, um, yeah, as Emma said, it's, it's the fun element in there. And Keith? Yeah, you know, I echo the, the points made there. I think even you know, our senior athletes have, 
really come back and it's like some of them haven't seen each other for years you know and the hardest part there is getting them to go home at the end of a session because they they want to stand and chat which is great the other positive thing for me is the real interest in athletes doing competitions track and field competitions now you can now fill up a competition in a couple of days with 200 athletes whereas you know in the past you might have struggled so i i think it's that a sort of feeling of um you know people want to get back to normal by interacting and and competing i think those are the two key things and mick most of the athletes that i work with come back to training and i see the other groups at my track and most people seem to be coming back yes they're enjoying it but they're also improving and athletics that's you know that's the biggest motivation i think for most people that's why they want to compete because they're thinking they're ready yeah i think it's it's going okay there's a big sort of um void of people we didn't recruit last year which we have to fill overall it's looking okay and emma throughout the pandemic there's definitely been realization that sport and physical activity plays a huge part in people's lives particularly grassroots sports clubs and in this case athletics and running clubs and i think people have have massively massively missed that in their lives and and I, I just sense there's a real excitement for competition to start taking place but just also the challenge that the sport presents to individuals who are wanting to get back out there and regain their their fitness and just the enjoyment of training so yeah I, I'm really optimistic for the, for the sport um, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing a return of the sport in the, the coming weeks and months and particularly personally looking forward to getting back out there and seeing our affiliated clubs back in action. Yeah, it's been a, a great pandemic for open spaces and discovering parks nearby. I discovered a few I didn't know were there. And wouldn't it be great ideal if people sort of thought, well, I've been doing a bit of running, of course, individually. Wouldn't it be then great if I could find purpose track and field facilities and that I could now do that with other people that would be the ideal as we've heard there the great enthusiasm for athletes now signing up to competitions Emma how can clubs best capture that enthusiasm while still being within the restrictions because it as it requires careful planning let's say a club puts on a competition and suddenly has a lot of people sign up and you think oh actually i've got to be aware of the the numbers and the the social distancing here it might be quite a daunting task to think i've got to put all this on and keep within uh, certain guidelines sure yeah so england athletics have produced competition guidance that's been written using government the uk government guidance which has been filtered down through the dcms and sport england so that sits on our website. So it's competition guidance there. That's That's got the parameters by which competition can take place in terms of the, the competition being COVID secure. It's got some really good top tips in there about what clubs should be putting in place, such as action plans, risk assessments, etc. And, and some of the things that, that would be useful for them to consider. We also have guidance for club operations, club training, which follows very similar formats in terms of being COVID secure, COVID coordinators and action plan risk assessments, etc., to enable that to be safe. Obviously, as we work through the, the steps, currently in step two, 
then the restrictions will will loosen and more activity will be able to take place and we'll update that guidance in in due course so there will be an update to the guidance um, a week before the 17th of may um, and then we hope that will continue but of course each step as the government say is evaluated and reviewed um, in advance to make sure so we still don't we still don't 100 percent know but we're we're hopeful that we will continue on the roadmap where we're at at the moment. Well, really interesting to hear some of the things that uh, those representatives from clubs have learned across the past 12 months, what they're optimistic about, about engaging people, how we've done that online and through other means. This podcast is in association with the Virtual Club Conference, which is coming up on the 15th of May. It's free. It features speakers, workshops, opportunity to share tips and hear examples of best practice. More information can be found at www.englandathletics.org. The specific page is uh, slash club conf conf 2021. Thank you very much to everyone, to uh, Les Grant from uh, Doncaster, to Keith Reid from Devon and Mick Bond from Cambridge and indeed Emma Hurst from England Athletics and uh, wish you all the best for the 2021 season wherever you are around the country. 